Cody. I'm Jim Ford. And I'm Chad Bulkelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 122. I thought it was one. Oh, yeah, yeah, 122. <laughs> <laughs> that was five started. minutes ago that you told it me that. It was less than five <laughs> minutes ago, actually. Um, okay, so we have we have a what an amazing episode for you. We always have an amazing episode for him. No, I mean, this is like, this is spectacularly amazing. Stupendous. Stupendously amazing. Yes. Uh, we ha- we actually, we have an interview. Thanks to Corwin. Corwin, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. He, he, uh, he hooked up this interview for us. And, uh, Tony Bedard. Ah, uh, yeah. Mr. Tony Bedard, uh, writer of Rebels, uh, the current Green Lantern and the New Guardian series. Um, he was on Green Lantern Corps from like issue 48 until the, the DC re- relaunch. So, And the Blue Beetle, the new Blue Beetle. And the new Blue Beetle and uh, well, some other stuff. Yeah, so without further ado, um, we're going we're gonna to jump right into the interview. So enjoy. Yeah. Uh, we're here now with... Uh, Tony Bedard, um, man, I, this is, this is actually, this is really big because, um, Tony, you're writing one of, well, in my opinion, the best Green Lantern book coming out right now. So this is pretty epic. Um, so I guess like to start, to start us off, we'll jump right into it with, with Jeff Johns, you you know, what you're reading is basically like, it's a story about Hal Jordan. It's a, it's a humanizing story about, of, of Hal Jordan. And John's like creates like uh, almost like a, a puzzle work where each, each time you read, you get a new piece of the puzzle. Now, when you read Green Lantern Corps or even Emerald Warriors, it's a very, you know, like battle themed and like you're like looking in on like a, like a humanized story of what's going on in a, in like a war kind of scenario. And with you, it's like, it's, it's fun. It's like, um, it's like a space, like just a, a fun cosmic story. I mean, do you purposely go into it from that, that point of view? Uh, I think that the three of us do approach our, our books different ways, you know, which is, which is good because you wouldn't want to feel like you're reading the same, you know, thing over and over with the three of them each month. Right. Um, and, and yeah, definitely Pete approaches his book like a war book and, and, uh, he's, you know, he's really into that kind of thing. And, and I think that's, he has such a great handle on Guy too, because he's such a, you know, blizzard. Um, uh, and, uh, and gosh, I, you know, I think if there's anything that really influenced my approach and my work, I don't know if you've ever read Nexus, um, by, uh, Mike Barron and Rude, uh, but that was one of my all-time favorite uh, comics. It was a great space opera that had all these, you know, crazy characters, and it was almost as much humor and, and light moments in it as there were, you know, uh, crazy old crap moments. Uh, and so I like to try and, you know, keep it light if I can or, or just, you know, get weird, quirky things in there. Um, sometimes it works better than others, but, you know, I think that's that, that also fits Kyle. You know, Kyle, of all the Green Lanterns, he's the most like you and me, you know, like a regular schmo who happened to get the ring, and and, uh, and that's probably what makes the character as successful as he is. 
you know, he's very relatable. It's interesting that you bring up uh, uh, Nexus because it just a little backstory on myself. I, my one of my first comics ever was a two issue crossover uh, between Nexus and Magnus the Robot Fighter. Right. So I, was I mean that. Valiant back then. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that was one of my. It, what's funny is it's actually issue number two of that two issue crossover series was literally my first comic ever. Wow. And I. I still, I still have that issue. Uh, the, not, I haven't had to rebuy it or anything. I have the issue I had as a kid. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Okay. We're good. Are we good? <laughs> All right. It must have been your pacemaker was too close to the, you know, nuclear <laughs> reactor that's powering your, your computers. Uh, okay. <laughs> or that microwave burrito, one of the two, but. Uh, <laughs> Anyhow, yeah, Nexus Magnus Robot Fighter. Yeah, I was really excited that we did that thing. Yeah, that's, so, uh, that's just I, I I had no idea you're involved with that at any level. That that it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it's been kind of neat that you know since that was such a formative comic for me that I've gotten to work on a lot of space op uh, books since then. You know, I mean, uh, Green Lantern's one that I always wanted to do. It's kind of a dream project, but I also got to do Negation over at CrossGen. And that was a, uh, you know, crazy uh, one thing after another uh, with Facebook. And, uh, you know, I've, I've gotten to channel that, that whole vibe. Well, yeah, I, can de- I can definitely see it now because, like, you know, that being my first comic, I've, I've since gone back and read a lot of Nexus, and I'm, I'm surprised I didn't make the connection before. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Tony, um, with, with uh, the New Guardians comic, Something that um, that I've been, you know, looking at is that the way that you write this comic, it's it's kind of like the it's almost like a love letter to the comics of yesterday. Yesterday, where like things would happen, and like you didn't really have to explain it. You know, it's like oh, it was nuclear radiation, and everybody just accepts it. But then you kind of you you turn it into something that actually works in, in current day. Mm. I mean, you know, like, like for instance, like, uh, in the, one of the first couple of issues, guys ring, all of a sudden the guardians can no longer, you know, they can't touch it. They can't pull it off his hand or anything like that. And it just, it completely works in the story, but it's like, you're not like going into like an explanation like, Oh, well there's a feedback loop and blah, 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 blah. It just, you know, it's happened. That's the way it is. Um, is that, is that like a, again, a, a conscious decision, or, you know, is that well, just like a natural? Well, also, I think you do stuff like that. You know, anytime that you really bog down an explanation, it just, you know, it stops the story cold. So, you know, you want to avoid those type of moments anyhow. But, but also, uh, in that case, we were setting up a mystery that, you know, that has been running through the book since then. You know, um, he's, uh, Kyle is now a renegade, yet they can't just recall his ring, um, you know, and, and they're not sure why the Guardians are. Um, and, uh, you know, it has to do with, Kyle has sort of, uh, he's in a, uh, his status right now is what that is, and it has to do with his um, incredible potential. Um, you know, Gantt didn't just pick him at random. 
uh, he sensed something in Kyle uh, that you know that no other lantern has. And in, you know, and if you think about it, Kyle's relationship with Gansett, uh he was probably the closest between a guardian and a lantern that there ever was. Um, and uh, and that's all for a reason. And it's central to to the mystery that's coming out in the first twelve issues of uh, of New Guardians. Um, but by by issue twelve, we're going to know why those rings came looking for Kyle, what was going on, you know, uh, who sent them, you know, and, and all of that's going to pay off. So, you know, so sometimes you just put something out there that that's a head scratcher and, and you know, uh, let it be, but eventually you want to pay off in all those setups. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like definitely the sense that I get when reading new guardians is that you're definitely setting things up but, like, right now, the ride to get there is so much fun that I'm just not questioning it at all. Oh, good, man. That's perfect. Uh, uh, that makes me so happy to hear. You know, I mean, we, we definitely have a long-term plan, and it, it ties back into the, you know, the Uber story that, that links all three uh, Green Lantern books, and Red Lantern, too, to some extent. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a whole thing happening with the Guardians, and, you know, I've been talking about uh, replacing the Green Lantern Corps, and you know, it's, the, the Guardians are, you know, acting like the bad guys, and and uh, that's all going to lead up to something really big. Eventually, we'll you know we'll we'll cross over the books again. We you know we don't want to do that like every other month because <laughs> you know folks get folks get worn out. But but this is leading towards something big that's going to you know link up the books again. Uh, and, that, know, that leads me. That leads me to a question. Um, mm-hmm. You and you and Jeff have been working fairly closely over the past few years, and um, when it comes to, especially uh, when it comes to Green Lantern related crossovers with, you know, be it Blackest Night or anything related to Brightest Day, War of the Green Lantern, and so on and so forth. Um, Jeff really likes to plant seeds way ahead of time, so. Yeah. When he does that, how does how does he work with you uh, on planning those stories in your books? I mean, is that is that something where he gives you the master plan ahead of time and you figure out how to work it in your own story, or does he only give you bits and pieces? We we stay in contact pretty well, um, the whole you know Lantern creative team, and uh, we definitely make an effort to have all the books in sync. You know, we want them all to, to stand alone and have their own flavor and, and all of that. But uh, but there is a, a master plan always with Jeff, and uh, and that's something I really like about him. Um, in fact, I think the whole reason why I got the Green Lantern gig is back when I was doing that Rebels book, um, I knew they were going to be doing this uh, Blackest Night thing. And, um, you know, it, it, it because it was a cosmic uh, event, it naturally, you know, had a could be tied in with uh, with rebels, you know that that much was kind of organic to it. But also, I knew that it would be a, a boost for rebels if if I got to play along. I actually reached out to Jeff and you know asked if uh, you know we could do uh, a Blackest Night tie-in. And when I turned in the script, I was so delighted because he loved it so much. He actually um, asked to have it, you know, to, to the editor to show it to some of the other writers who were involved in the event. <laughs> As an example of, you know, here's here's a good way, you know, to uh, to play along with this thing. So, you know, that was just, you know, kind of awesome. Um, but I think that 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 um, that tie-in helped get me the Green Lantern job later, because you know when they launched Emerald Warriors, they wanted to get another writer in the mix, and uh, he, I think he had a good experience working with me on Black and Tight. So, 
you know, I reached out to him because I believe in his game plan. He's done such a great job with this character that I always loved but felt underserved for a lot of years. You know, I mean, I, I was I was on the editorial staff at uh, at DC for like three years, and um, and back then, Green Lantern couldn't get arrested. You know, I mean, Kyle was part of the JLA and stuff, but it, but as a franchise, it just wasn't that strong. You know, and uh, and Jeff has really you know, made everything that's happened with Green Lantern is, is you know, because of him and, and what a great job he did. He's launching that thing and making it feel important and vital and central to the DCU. So, you know, I was I was only too happy to play along with him. I think there's some people who don't have as much fun collaborating, but that's always been uh, a big thing for me, is, um, you know, playing off of somebody else's ideas, bouncing ideas back and forth. In fact, when I worked at CrossGen, one of the greatest things about that job was being in the same place, you know, under the same roof with all my collaborators, and we could talk through every issue, and if they suggestions, or if there was something they just hated, you know, we could just hash that out and come up with something better. You know, that was fun. I, for some writers, they'd hate to sit with people who are going to draw this, questioning every little move they make, but for me, it wasn't like that. It was just, you know, it was a lot of fun to, to feel like part of the team. Now, um, going back to uh, Rebels, as you were, you were mentioning, we actually have, uh, we have a few questions um, from uh, Corwin, who actually helped set up this interview. Um, and uh, his questions are, because now that we're in the new DCU, people you know, definitely have questions about you know, Rebels, which didn't mm-hmm. get the translation. Um, first off, uh, he doesn't want to spoil who was cloned, but... Will we see any follow-up on Starro and the clones that he was creating? Uh, no, I, I kind of think that one is a casualty of the whole relaunch. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's funny because that's the storyline I wanted to do and, and pay off in Rebels, and it, be, it got to be so big. Um, you know, the, the whole idea of, uh, of uh, you know, several thousand, you know, Lobo clones running around was kind of a, a fun, you know, uh, thing, but it was such a big idea that we thought, well, maybe we should do it in Green Lantern Corps. And, you know, <laughs> once we kind of stealthed to do in Green Lantern Corps, we ran out of issues on Green Lantern Corps before the, uh, the relaunch. Right. But sometimes that happens, you know, you get these ideas and they, you just never quite make it to them. <laughs> okay. Um, now, next up, he wants to know, in the new DCU, does Lobo still have a red ring? I, you know, I don't know. Um, I, what I understand is that they're doing something with Lobo, but I, you know, I'm not sure what it is. I'm not involved in it. Um, my guess is no, okay. just because, you know, they might want to come up with a, a fresh take on Lobo since it's, you know, 52 time, but uh, yeah. we'll see. Okay, and uh, the other question, and when, when these, you created two Green Lanterns for Rebels, the uh, Okaran and the Scion. Yeah. Now, I mean, conceptually, I mean, like it's it's such a cool concept. Is are they going to pop up, you know, in the Green Lantern Corps or New Guardians or anywhere else? You know, good question. I I don't know because I don't have plans to use them right now. Right. Uh, Pete, Pete might. Um, he's dusting off a lot of, you know. Uh, underused uh, lanterns, but uh, I'm not really sure. I, okay. As far as I know, they're still they're still in business. Okay. <laughs> if if Tony uses them in the future from now on, you can just say I gave him the idea. 
<laughs> I'm not going to take credit for that. <laughs> Maybe Corwin will. <laughs> uh, and then my question would be, you know, and this is more of a hypothetical question as far as what you would imagine, but um, Viral Docs, he was, you know, he got the yellow ring in Blackest Night, which those two, you know, crossovers were were definitely, you know, well done as far as all the Blackest Night crossovers, you know, went. But, you know, nowadays where the Sinestro core is kind of like, you know, it looks like they're kind of disbanding or something. But if there's no, like, central, you know, authority of the Sinestro core and the rings are just working on their own, do you think Viral Docs would, would take a ring again? Uh, maybe. If, if he could just use it as his own, uh, you know, weapon... Because yeah. uh, the whole thing is that having one of those, when Sinestro is in charge, means you know that you have someone you got to answer to. Right. So you know, Grill didn't want it, but but yeah, now that now that there's no one to answer, I don't see why not. Um, <laughs> but that whole business with the uh, Sinestro Corps you know, being kind of put out of business by uh, by Sinestro is going to be dealt with um, in uh, New Guardians number eight when uh, um, when Arkillo goes back to uh, Korrigar wondering what happened to his core, you know, and, uh, and his, you know, his ring is running out of power. He finds that the, uh, the core is, you know, uh, abolished and the battery's gone, so he can't even recharge his ring. And uh, it's, you know, it's a bit of a moment for him, but it's, it's a really fun uh, issue, too, because he's all kind of... <laughs> yeah, um, well, I'll definitely be looking forward to that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah well, we're also bringing back the, uh, the Weaponer uh, character who we introduced in uh, Green Lantern Corps in, in that issue. Um, he'll be like the last uh, of the former uh, Sinestro Corps on, on Korrigar. And when, when uh, Archilla shows up, they're about to execute him. And, uh, you know, Archilla has to kind of spring in and find out what happened. And that's all going to lead to a lot of fun. Nice. I'll be, I'll be looking to see if he's still got a piece of the white net. Yeah, well, um, we'll, we'll catch up with that, too. Um, yeah, you, you know, just be there when issue eight comes out, and, and uh, you'll see what's up. Yeah, yeah, well, without a doubt, because New Guardians is like... It actually, it brings back the days of, you know, the, the original Kyle run, where, like, there would be particular stories, like Ion, for instance, where... Like, that Wednesday, like, when that issue came out, like, I was at the comic book store getting that issue because I needed to know what happened next. That's basically what, what you're doing with New Guardians as far as... Oh, man, awesome. I, I'm so glad to hear that. You know, it's, I mean, it's funny because I, I certainly don't consider myself any better than, than uh, Jeff or, or Pete, but, you know, just to know that, that that book speaking to you like that is really cool. It's like when I read the Batman books... Um, uh, you know, Snyder's doing incredible things on Batman, but I actually like Pete's Batman and Robin a little bit more, and it's just because the themes and, and the things that he's dealing with in there, you know, speak more to me. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's good that, that the books are different enough that they, you know, they have that appeal to different audiences. Uh, absolutely. I mean, the the thing that, because Jim and I both share the same view, we talked about this uh in one of our previous episodes, a few episodes back, we actually had our best of 2011 awards, and uh, for for just the 2011, New Guardians uh, one through four had come out, 
and just the, with those four issues, that storyline won our best story arc. Um, wow. Yeah, and <laughs> and not to mention, I mean, just just for you, as far as best single issue overall, Green Lantern Corps number sixty one, um, with uh, John teaching the 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 new recruit, the girl going back to her yeah. home planet. Um, that that was best single issue overall, and then the most surprising reveal or twist was Glomulus in the orange ring. So. <laughs> Wow! Hey, we got to get you guys on the phone with Dan DeDio. Say, <laughs> <laughs> hey, you got to keep that Tony guy around. <laughs> oh, for sure. But I mean, back back to what I was saying. I mean, it, the the good thing about New Guardians, and this is just this is just me, is when I when I heard because there's you know there's critics for everything, and some of the critics were saying stuff like, "Oh my God, a solar system sized spaceship? That's BS. You know, we don't want to see that. That's crap." But the the whole thing I really enjoy about your storyline up even up until that point and after that point is it's like, well why not, <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. It's 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 science fiction and and you know who says you have to keep rooting it in in bogus reality? I mean it's it's like like uh, Jim said it's it's got this root in old time comic books where you know Jack Kirby or someone would just draw something on the page or someone would throw out an idea and just be like well why the heck not let's do it. And it's just it's it's while you're you know going to do a crossover in the future and you know you're about to tackle some things that you know happened in previous storylines from other books, it's still just departed enough from the current storylines going on in Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps that it's its own universe and it's just kind of let's have fun here and do what we can here. Well, my editor's been terrific about that. Uh, Pat McCallum is the uh, New Guardians editor, and he's. That's what been like one of his main missions on the book was to, you know, to give it its own identity and really, you know, uh, flesh out those other cores and, and characters. You know, he, he, he really wanted to, you know, get new villains, all that stuff. Uh, so this particular story arc, uh, with Invictus and his, you know, and his giant model solar system, um, is, you know, came out of that whole push. And, uh, and one of the great things I, I learned editing at DC, um, was to embrace the goofy stuff, you know? I mean, in comics, maybe more than any other, uh, storytelling, uh, medium, the, those crazy, over the top, you know, goofy ideas are some of the, the funnest ones, you know? And, and you don't have to try and make everything so realistic because, you know, that's comics, you know? That's, that's the, the, the great fun of it. It, it will make sense. Um, I don't know if uh, New Guardians 7 has hit the stands yet. Um, no. No, okay. Well, that one that one explains why he's got a giant model solar system. Um, and it'll hopefully make a little more sense. You know, and if you just don't like the, the goofiness of it, you know, whoever you might be, then, you know, fine. But uh, it just tickles me looking at that thing, you know. It looks like something you would have seen in... Uh, you know, fourth grade uh, science class or something, but you know, it's just very over the top. Um, I mean, you know, like, like characters like uh, uh, Mr. Terrific, for example. You know, before they kind of revamped him and, and made him sort of more cool and everything, he was just this guy running around with fair plenty of giant letters on his chest, you know. And it was just like, what is that guy's deal? It's so stupid that I have to know more about him. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I like that stuff. Uh, now, 
Tony, with uh, with the new Guardians comic, when it was first solicited, one of the uh, one of the you know interesting little you know taglines was that you were going to have a member from each of the cores, mm-hmm. including somebody from the Black Lanterns. Oh, when did they say that? <laughs> um, that's not um, that's not really in the plan. Uh, I'm not against it. Okay. You know, I think it, it could be fun doing it at some point, but uh, uh, I, you know, I don't have a, a black lantern up my sleeve waiting to come out yet. Okay. <laughs> you know, I think that that you have to find a way. If there was one still running around, you'd have to explain why. You know, because I think they all went away when uh, when the blackest night was done, right? Or am I forgetting or overlooking a story in there? Well, they they kind of they kind of came back during brightest day. I mean, but that was, you know, via Firestorm's Matrix and a piece of the Black Lantern being that's in there. Right. And, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, the, uh, what was his name, Deathstorm? Yes. Uh, but, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I That's something they got out based on my game. <laughs> okay, okay, so... So there's no current plans to have, like, a Black Lantern Mogo or something like that? No, it would be really cool. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I said, I'm not against it. I just, you know, that's, that's not happening anytime in the next, you know, half a year or, or so. Okay, okay. Well, speaking of, of the cast in New Guardians, um, our, our other co-host, Dan, couldn't be here, but he sent a couple of questions along. And one one of the ones he wanted to know is, did you get to pick your new Guardians cast, or were those the characters that were given to you? Uh, I think maybe a little of both. I mean, we knew that Kyle was going to headline this book, and um, and hmm, I got to pick uh, Guamulus because um, I didn't. It didn't make sense, I think, to have Larkley's, you know, running around with them. Um, so we've worked him in, but in a way that kind of is more true to him because he's not going to be, you know, following someone else's lead. Um, and uh, and we knew that uh, Sinestro was going to be headlining Green Lantern, so I couldn't use him. You know, we went with, with the next guy down on the totem pole there, uh, Artillo. And, uh, and Carol wasn't available either. So a lot of it was just, you know, we couldn't go with that same lineup of new guardians that we had to say to a certain extent. Um so then it was it was kind of fun to just pick somebody to play. A lot of these characters were still pretty unattached. Like uh, and, and they've been a wonderful surprise, like Romulus. You know, I I actually didn't realize when when we started off how much fun that character was going to be. You know, but he's just visually fun. You know, and 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 Tyler did a great job of since he's a, a construct and can shape change and stuff of just doing goofy things with him. You know. In the background, the way he reacts to things. You know, he had him like dressed as a nurse one time when somebody was, you know, hurting, and uh, it was just hilarious. Or he's back to, I think, like cheerleader in one uh, panel. <laughs> anyway, sometimes that's the best thing when when the project you're working on ends up surprising you. You know, uh, that's 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 true. I mean, and and something else is is you said that in the in the future you'll be tackling different things. Well, one of the things I've been always um, Wondering about and stuff, you know, part of the reason the whole Glomulus thing was a surprise to me is because I remember very vividly in the very first Agent Orange storyline that there was a giant, massive pile of orange rings on Okara. 
and we were wondering where the heck those came from. When everyone saw an orange ring, they just assumed that Larflees had lost his somehow. And I was thinking, wait a sec, no, there's this pile there and, and on, a, on a car, and maybe Tony's going there. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that was a that ended up being a continuity glitch or something that we have just decided to ignore or something. But you know, the way we're playing it is really there's there's one orange ring, you know. Yeah. Well, uh, it's and. It's it's interesting though because one of the things that we've been wondering, you know, for a long time, you know, there's a, a group of questions, you know, like uh, what's the deal with the Indigo Tribe, and you know, Jeff's about to tackle that in some in some yeah. regard, and maybe you will because Monks is part of your cast. But one of the other things is where's Larflees' family and where's Scar been? I mean, not Scar, uh, Sade. Ah, okay. So, so we've seen Sade with uh, with Larflees now. So she's, you know, she's still honoring her promise to, to serve him. Um, but she's very important to uh, to uh, the New Guardians book. And um, uh, as to Larkley's family, I know that two things that, that Jeff was going to pay off on, and he, he's doing one of them now, the uh, the Indigo arc in, uh, in Green Lanterns, um, in Green Lantern. And then I'm pretty sure there's a deal with the other in Green Lantern at some point. Like, I know he's got a big uh, uh, Lee story, another one, you know, kind of on deck waiting to, to be told. So mm-hmm. I think we'll find out about that one. What would be the other thing? Department of Energy, uh, the third thing? Oh, oh, uh, I, I was just, I was just wondering, just, I was trying to, I was trying to get you to tease something a little bit for us because... We have been wondering about Larflees' family for a long time right. because it's been teased in different issues here and there. So, yeah. well, we we might find out more. I, Jeff even hasn't told me what his uh, Larflee story is, but um, I get the sense we're gonna we're gonna learn more about him, and, and that would be you know the perfect place for it. But yeah. you know that's not something that's that's coming up in uh, in New Guardians. So. As as long as we're uh, discussing Larflees, has John has John's ever. Uh, you know, told you what the Orange Lantern Oath is? No. <laughs> no we, um, we've all pretty much agreed know. that that's basically the, the the DC's equivalent of the Marvel No Prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of his plans, but I, I also know he's, you know, he keeps some of the stuff under his hat, and, uh, you know, which is fine by me, because I still, you know, I get to enjoy reading his stories. You know, I don't, I don't know anything coming up, so I, I get to be surprised along with the other readers. Uh, my theory on it is that if they ever actually wrote it in a comic, then they would be giving it away, which is exactly the opposite of what the Orange Lanterns do. Right. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> uh, now, what you call it? Switching topics a little, like. Um, each month, you know, you, you hand in a script for, you know, the new Guardians. And then you get you get, you get to see your script translated into images by Tyler Kirkham. What's that like? Yeah. He's amazing. I, yeah, it's it's like, you know, it's almost like Christmas every time that an email comes in with new pages attached to it. Um, it used to be like that when I was editing and every day, you know, and you'd have like four or six books that you were overseeing and new pages would be coming in constantly. And it was just always, you know, the funnest part of the day to open these things up and, and, and see how they, you know, brought that stuff to life. 
so yeah, between Tyler on uh, on New Guardians and uh, Iguara on uh, Blue Beetle, uh, you know, I have a lot of fun, you know, seeing how much more these guys could into it. Um, uh, Blue Beetle, you, know, you you bring that up. Uh, I actually had a few questions about that as well. Um, mm-hmm. Well, first off, you know, since I don't think a lot of our listeners know yet, but there will be a crossover coming between Blue Beetle and New Guardians? Uh, yeah, um, in issue nine of both books. Um, in uh, Blue Beetle nine, um, uh, Heine Reyes is in uh, in New York where, where Kyle lives, and he's going to meet Kyle and uh, and Bleeze as well, and, and Bonnie. And um, in, uh, in New Guardians nine, Bleach, uh, who are the, you know, interstellar empire that, that the Blue Beetle armor are in the the Blue Lantern homeworld, and uh, so you know both both issues kind of stand alone, and yet you know they, they both deal with with the intersection of Blue Beetle stuff and and uh, Green Lantern stuff. Huh. Now, um, now Blue Beetle as a character is not you know doesn't really appeal to me that much, but I do really like the idea of the Reach. Um, mm-hmm. Do you see yourself like expanding more um, along the lines of the Reach and the Green Lantern Corps? Uh, yeah, I'd like to flesh that out some more because they're they're old enemies, and uh, you know, Blue Beetle has certain Green Lantern like aspects. That, you know, that whole idea of getting some ultimate alien weapon and, and having to sort of you know adjust to having that thing and, and figure out how to use it. Um, so yeah, we're we're uh, the Reach has a huge impact, actually, in, in New Guardians uh, 9 and 10. Um, and uh, hopefully I'll get to just keep fleshing out that threat, and we'll, we'll get to see them again. Mm-hmm. Now, with, with New Guardians, you have, like, a lot of... I mean, we were, we were discussing the, the type of stories you've been telling, and there's a lot of just open open doors there for you to go down, and... And one of the things uh, we were wondering is, did did you have as much creative freedom working on a on a Green Lantern book as you did working on Rebels? I mean, is this is this just a whole new universe for you? Um, I I think it's a little different with the Green Lantern books, just because you need to uh, sync up with the other books, and uh, you know, so so as far as your creative freedom is concerned, you know, it might seem like it's a little less. Um, I don't know. That's hard. That's not really a good way of putting it, though, because it's so much fun working that book. I don't ever feel, you know, constrained. Um, uh, but with with Rebels, it was a little bit out of the spotlight and you know off on its own, which has got its downside because less people are reading it. But it also means you can just you know go crazy with it. You know, I, I did a, a, a short series called the, the Great Ten. Um, about a year or two ago, and that one was great fun because I got to do anything I wanted on it, basically, you know, because it was not in the spotlight, so to speak. It's a trade-off, you know, because on the other hand, the Great Ten went from starting out at at 10 issues to having one issue cut off because the the sales were so low. So, you know, it still worked out. I had a great time on that book. Well, speaking of your creative process, I mean, just for me personally, I've always wanted to be a creative writer of some kind. I mean, whatever you want to call it, comic mm-hmm. books or novels or something. But I've always wondered, like, how do you 
you guys in the comic industry, especially you, know, especially you, how do you approach dealing with something that's an already an established character with its own established mythos? I mean, for me, I just want to go crazy with whatever pops into my head, but but there's there's limitations on you guys. How do you how do you deal with that? Well, you know, even if it's a character that you made up, there's still stuff that's you know appropriate for for that character and stuff that's out of character. And so, uh, any I think any uh, uh, any book or series or whatever has its own constraints built into it, and that's that's for the best a lot of the time. You know, those constraints force you to be creative sometimes and, and come up with, you know, with novel story ideas just because you have to work within that, you know, whether it's, it's your genre or your particular character. So, you know, I don't, it, it doesn't strike me as a problem. I, if I love that character, Green Lantern, then, then it's a pleasure to do this, the type of stories that I think are appropriate for it, you know. Um, and you get something sometimes a little uh, editorial, type of thing, you know, like with a character like Superman, definitely you can't just do anything with them, you know. Um, uh, and, but that's all right. I, I think I think with those characters, you approach them with such a love already for them and a respect that you don't want to do something that violates the character. Yeah. I guess, I guess I guess in my mind it's just me being stubborn going oh any kind of hindrance is creative is creative restriction I can't I can't deal with that <laughs> no you know you have to look at that as as a as a plus you know sometimes if if you have to go down a certain way you know avenue that you weren't planning on it it forces you like I said to come up with with stuff you wouldn't have other caused that's great I, the one thing I always want is to kind of, you know, surprised by what I just wrote. You know, if, if, if a script, you know, if I finish a script and I don't feel that sense, then, then something's wrong, you know? Yeah, I got you. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I mean, we've got a lot of, uh, at least I know of a lot of fans that we have on, on the show. I mean, that would be great advice for, for anybody, in, in, well, regardless of writing or art or whatever, just any creative field. That's just great yeah. advice. Yeah, you know, these constraints are, are a good thing a lot of the time. You know, you just need to approach them as such. Another question from uh, from Corwin uh, to go along with the writing. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's curious, how long did it take for you to start feeling comfortable writing Green Lantern? And was there a certain arc where you felt you hit your stride? Hmm. Um, yeah, I think the weapon arc probably, because there was a little sort of easing in and getting used to, you know, the approach that they were already doing on Green Lantern. And, and like, for example, um, uh, the Green Lantern books tend to have a lot of big, you know, spreads and big panels and, you know, you, you want to open things up in those books. Um, and, uh, and I hadn't quite been writing that way when they gave me the job. Uh, so a lot of times the notes I would say is, you know, take this panel and turn it into a splash page or, you know, can this moment be a double-page spread? And uh, and when you do that, you have to shift everything around or even cut stuff, you know, because there's just not going to be room for everything. Um, you know, so so that was that was my learning curve on uh, on Green Lantern. But I, by the time we got uh, Tyler on board and uh, and got into that weapon arc, everything was just you know hitting on all cylinders. Um, 
with and with the the next the next story after that with the War of the Green Lanterns. Now, were there any parts of that storyline where you were like, it's like, oh man, I wish I could have attacked that a- aspect of the war, or were you like, it's like, oh man, I got the best parts. <laughs> Well, with something like that, where it's, you know, one of these crossover things, like right. Sinestro Corps War, or, you know, or uh, also uh, Blackest Night, we, you know, we want to sit down and plan that out together um, ahead of time. And so we, I, I went up to New York, and we all, the three of us got together with the editors and, and, uh, and had out what was happening in each issue. And one, one thing we wanted to make sure was that each issue had something needy to it, um, but uh, but it was also since I was there my opportunity to make sure that I got moments that I wanted to tell. So, like for example, um, you know, killing Hugo that was that was a big moment, and uh, yeah. and I got to you know make sure that I got to do that one. And you know, uh, by the end of the process, I felt pretty good about the my goodies, <laughs> and uh, you know, didn't worry too much about not being able to do something somebody else got. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and in the in the end, uh, what what we did get was was beautifully drawn by Tyler. Yeah, yeah, he really knocked it out of the park. It's great when you're in that situation where you have that much confidence and trust in your partner, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's like that with Tyler, and and uh, you know when I was working with uh, Paul Pelletier on Negation and later on Exiles, uh, we had that kind of uh, relationship. You know, I just always knew that he was going to give me back. You know, if I gave him something he what came back in the art was a hundred and you know fifty percent of what I handed off to him yeah it, it, that I can I can tell you uh, I'm sure you already know but I can tell you that kind of respect and uh, work environment is reciprocated on Tyler's part I got a chance to speak to him uh, in November at the Austin comic-con down here in my hometown mm-hmm. and uh, he you know he had nothing but good things to say about y'all's working relationship yeah, yeah, it's been fun. And we've gotten to hang out together, too. He's a terrific guy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I'm kind of upset I didn't have any money for some of his pages when I was out there, but it's <laughs> good talking to him. Yep. Well, you know, just, uh, I guess, kind of uh, going back to the just the writing uh, aspect a bit, um, our, our other co-host, Dan, he had one final uh, question here uh mm-hmm. about your style and he says but between new guardians rebels and green lantern core you do a lot of uh, sci-fi space stuff with very few human characters and the comfort zone of most readers and publishers seems to be you know s- stories about a human protagonist on earth um would you be approaching your various series differently if you knew that they'd be read by an audience that was more hardcore into science fiction huh. um well i i don't I don't know. I don't think so, to be honest. I mean, uh, I like science fiction a lot, and, uh, you know, so I'm just, you know, I'm in a way I'm writing stories that I want to see and, and trying to come up with things that I think are fun, you know, and, and that, that's kind of the guiding uh, principle there. I mean, you know, there may be more hardcore science fiction fans, but, I, you know, I'm not sure what distinguished them for me, to be honest, uh, uh, you know. I remember when Star Wars came out, and I'm dating myself, but I was 10 years old when Star Wars came out, and uh, uh, and it changed my life, you know. After I saw that, it was all over. I just knew that I wanted to, you know, tell stories like that. And, and uh, you know, so any, 
any fun sci-fi thing since then, you know, from Doctor Who through Battlestar Galactica through, you know, you name it. Uh, I'm into all that stuff. So I just figure, you know, I'm, I'm telling stories for people like me. Cool. You, uh, you have anything else, Chad? Well, I did, I did have one thing, you know, not related to Green Lantern. I was going through your credits, and I saw that you were the screenwriter for Turok, Son of Stone. Yes. Yeah, we did this little uh, direct-to-video, you know, movie, um, and uh, and that was just great fun. Uh, was there something in particular you wanted to ask about it, or just? No, I was just wondering about the process. I, I I've I've heard about it. I haven't had a chance to see it yet, so I just thought I'd give you a chance to pimp something outside of comics. Well, it you know it, it was done on on a real low budget and uh, and so exceeded my expectations. I'm really really happy with that movie. Um, it was ended up looking a little bit like those filmation type of, uh, you know, um, of animation, uh, and yet it was very uh, violent and uh, you know it had a kind of surprising for the way it looked. Um, great music, great voice actors in it too. Uh, so I was really really happy with how it turned out. And uh, it's funny because you mentioned at the beginning of the interview your first comic was that. Uh, um, uh, Magnus uh, uh, Nexus crossover. My first comic was Turok Son of Stone back when I was a little kid. And I bought it off, you know, the spinner rack at a at a grocery store. And I, you know, it had it had uh, dinosaurs and, and Indians, and you know, that was all I needed to, to know. So uh, <laughs> um, I, I had a real fun with Turok, and then of course I got to work in and told those guys when when they asked me if I wanted to do the animated movie that I really wanted to sort of return to that original setup uh, with, with Turok and young Andar and that whole relationship they had, that kind of father son thing. And, uh, you know, like I said, it, it, the results really exceeded my expectations. I, I hope anybody who hears this will, will take the trouble to, to seek it out. Um, you know, it's, it's a good movie. Yeah. I, I didn't even know it existed. Now I'm definitely going to seek it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah I was, it totally oh. came out of radar, man. There was no, no, uh, you know, marketing budget for this thing or anything, but uh, it's still fun. Yeah, I was uh, I was uh, intrigued when I saw it. I mean, we know about your your comic stuff, but I, I didn't know anything about this this the screenplay. And I was like, wait a sec, let me click on this and see what this is about. <laughs> yeah, I want to do more screenplay work too, um, but uh, DC's keeping me plenty busy right now, and I'm having great fun with it. Uh, that's mm. good news for us. <laughs> <laughs> now. I'm gonna I'm gonna end with one final question. A uh, classic Green Lantern villain, Evil Star. Yes. It's a character who has a star image on his face. Now over in Rebels, Starro the Conqueror. So conquering bad guy who has a giant star on his face. Any connection? Uh, no. Um, but uh, but. Sounds like the makings of a fun story coming up, maybe. <laughs> I'm, a, uh, I'm just, you know, giving you a, a mental note, because uh, it might be neat to, you know, revamp Evil Star and somehow, you know, uh, I don't know, tie that into Starro. I know there's a mention of Evil Star in uh, in that Green Lantern issue, I think, with, with the, uh, oh gosh, who, who was that? Uh, it was like a washed up good guy that uh, Sinestro goes and visits. Oh, on another planet. Uh, His name's escaping me right now. It was really cool. He had this great helmet. And I think it's oh, like he used to fight evil stars. Oh, um, right. 
Yeah, well, I know exactly who you're talking about. Um, there was also a mention by Jeff in one of his previous stories from one of the Blue Lanterns saying her homeworld was under attack by Evil Star. Right. I think it was Sister Cersei, yeah. The yeah. Yeah, so... so clearly like Jeff has something no, no, no. going on there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, dude. And do, and well, just, just speaking, just... It, not really a question. Do you, anything you want to promote or just uh, tease us about what's coming up in the next few issues of uh, of your story there with New Guardians? Well, um, uh, you know, we've got this uh, uh, blue, the you know, the Blue Lantern fighting for the Blue Lantern Corps fighting for its life against the Reach. Uh, this crossover with Blue Beetle, and by issue twelve, like I said, you're going to find out. You know why those rings came to Kyle and who sent them and and what the deal was and uh, and then after that um, there's going to be a lot of uh, of good stuff with the with that overarching story with the Guardians that's going to continue to move forward and that's leading towards a massive payoff. Uh, um, you know it's a, it's a it's a few months down the line here, but uh, you know all of that is is really rolling. So uh, definitely you know. Things are going to keep picking up in uh, in New Guardians, and I just hope that uh, you know some of the folks reading that check out Blue Beetle. I think after uh, issue nine, <laughs> you're probably going to have uh, quite a few more people picking up the Blue Beetle. I hope so. Oh, okay, Tony. Thank you so much. Um, thank you for the interview, and thank you for you know helping you know to continue to generate lots of excitement about Green Lantern. We really appreciate oh. it. Thank you, and thanks for having me, guys. It was, it was a pleasure talking to you, Tony. Okay. Take Take care. Yeah. Okay, that's the first time we've really had somebody uh, <laughs> give us uh, spoilers <laughs> and teasers for the next stuff. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was an awesome interview. Oh yeah. Gosh. We should not prepare more often. <laughs> oh man. Well, you know. No, no, because for most people, for most people, we need to prepare. Yes, sir. For Tony, like, there's so many things to talk to him about that, like, it's just, it's on your mind. Because he's writing the comics right now. Right. Oh, man. Oh, that was exciting. Oh, yeah. I, and, like, I'm, I'm so pumped up now for, you know, what's to come in Green Lantern and New Guardians. Oh, yeah, I mean... He he's got a great working relationship, and he was you know not dogging Jeff at all. But you know we you and at least you and I both agree that Jeff is great. But oh yeah, just this past story arc hasn't been really what we were hoping for or expecting. And you know, hopefully the next stuff that's coming is is you know with the Indigo Tribe, it's been something we've been wor- thinking about this whole time, and it's just you know with Tony promoting it, it's got me more excited. Tony actually got me more excited for his stuff and Jeff's stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, like that's the thing. Like when I read Green Lantern, you know, by by Johns, it, it's it's great. Like I, I'm not, I don't have anything negative to say about it really. Although the art in, you know, the last issue. Um, oh, well, number six. Yeah, I wasn't really digging that, but we'll we'll get to that when we do the uh, issue sixes. But no, I mean, like, it, there's nothing wrong with it. Like, I'm really digging it. I'm really loving the Sinestro story. And, like, especially with what's going on with uh, the Indigo Corps, you know, coming up, the Indigo Tribe. 
Like, I read issue seven, and it's just like, it's like, wow, it's like, okay, you know, Jeff Johns, you know, preparing things for the future, you know, it's, he's back, and he's got a lot of things that he's preparing. So, I mean, like, Jeff Johns never, in my mind, really dipped. It's just that, like, Tony is just, he, like he said, he's, he's approaching it from a completely different perspective, which is what you need when you have four different Green Lantern books, and it's just, it's so much fun. And and he's having fun doing it, and, and I mean it's just and it shows. Yeah, it definitely shows. Um, like, like I said, you know, like Kyle Kyle's my favorite character, and you know he he has been since he came on the scene, and like there there weren't always times where like you know there were definitely times where it'd be like okay well Green Lantern came out but. You know, I'm going to have to wait to get to the comic book store till like, you know, two weeks from now. But then every once in a while, there'd be a storyline that came out, and it's like, okay, I have to get there now and pick it up, because I need to know what happens. And, you know, and that's that's definitely the case with New Guardians. And, I mean, like, I, I try and get to the comic book store to pick up Green Lantern and Green Lantern Corps, but... Uh, you know, it's like if I if I have to wait a week with that, you know, it's like I will, but I definitely want to read them. And and even now, Red Lanterns is, you know, I think definitely amping up. I mean, it's definitely getting a lot better. Um, so I'm looking forward to that a lot more now. <laughs> What's that? What? That's, it's funny you say that considering it's amping up after this Earth Lantern appears, which is the storyline we've been dreading. I know. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's almost... Everything that's come before, it was, you know, it's it, it was almost like you had to go through that in order to get where they are. And what what Peter Milligan, you know, came up with as far as an explanation and and like the twists that he came up with for the Earth Lantern and like, you know, it, it, it has perfect logic behind it that it's like, wow, it's like, you know what? It's like I wasn't looking forward to this aspect of it, and yet he, you know, all that other stuff that I wasn't really digging, it's like it all kind of came together and, you know, and, and jumbled up, and the outcome is like this really cool idea that I'm, I'm definitely liking a lot more. You know, it's, I, I'm looking forward to it now, but, oh, I mean, yeah. like, across uh, the board. Yeah, that, that, that just, uh, I totally forgot to ask uh, Tony about how his relationship with Red Lanterns and uh, his book with Belize was. Oh. Because uh, I, I was really curious about that. Uh, so, Tony, if you're listening, <laughs> send an email or post on our forums. And, <laughs> what was that like with, uh, you know, Belize being conscious in one one book and just kind of a rambling idiot for a little while in your book at the same time? It was just... Uh, well, they, they, had to, they had to prepare that, and... I know. I'm just saying, you know, it's 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 two different uh, character types of the same character going on simultaneously in two storylines. The one thing that I will say, and I I think I think I said this, you know, about the, the previous uh, issue of New Guardians, is that how he approached the you know the change in Blees, like he, he did it in like what two or three pages, and it was like it was nice, it was concise fit perfectly 
and you didn't have to read Red Lanterns to know why she all of a sudden could talk in one book, you know, and, and not and not in the, the previous one. Right. So, man. And I, I haven't read. I don't. Maybe I'm not remembering right, but I'm I'm kind of under the impression that Invictus is a Kryptonian. You think? From an alternate universe. I'm not quite sure. I, I wanted to ask him that too. Damn it. Oh, but, uh, that's that stuff we're gonna find out. I know, but it, you know he gave us so much information that maybe I could just squeeze a little more out of him. <laughs> oh man, you know I'm I'm happy. I like I'm disappointed that there won't be a Black Lantern on the horizon. But by the same <laughs> token, like I'm happy to know so that I'm not like um, looking for it. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. So, that was that was that was a lot of fun. Yeah, good interview. Well, yeah. Okay, so now we just we just completed our interview with with Tony Bedard, and we'll talk about that in a second. But uh, since you're both here, we figured you know we would you know make a little announcement on the podcast. Dan is pregnant. <laughs> Said you wouldn't <laughs> tell. <laughs> Why are you telling me to go for it? You go for it. You're the one that's been hounding the crap out of me. (laughs) Well, everybody, I guess you can pretty much figure it out. Jimmy and I are expecting a baby. Yes. Yeah. I thought for sure you were going to say getting divorced. (laughs) No, no, that's next week. That's next week. (laughs) Well, that'll be in, what, six months? (laughs) <laughs> yes. I've gotten what I've needed out of him, and now I'm divorcing him. <laughs> nice. So, so, how far along? Three months, I'm guessing? Yeah, three okay. months. So, uh, everything's all good. we got the all clear. So, we're making the announcement. So, we're due October 4th. Very exciting. It's been uh, a wonderful first trimester of morning sickness and all other stuff to make you miserable and, you know, unhappy about being pregnant. (laughs) So it's just been great. But uh, I'm finally, like, done with the morning sickness. I'm feeling good. So we're on track. That's awesome. Do you you know the uh, sex of the baby yet? No. Not not yet. yet. Do you want uh, to? Oh, definitely. Chad, Chad could tell you right now. No, no, I'm just because some people don't want to know, and some people want to know so they can name and all that stuff. Well, we won't know until May, so we got uh, two months to go, but uh, we're definitely going to find out what the sex of the baby is, and uh, I don't know if we're going to let everybody know. I think we might uh, wait, actually. Okay. <laughs> make, make, them, uh, make them suffer and beg a little bit. <laughs> Well, now the the big question is: Is there any chance that Jim will be able to squeeze not not Green Lantern, but a comic book name of some kind? <laughs> there? Listen, listen, listen! Remember when they were going to get a dog and he fought for this? <laughs> oh, Dan! Dan gets to name the baby. I remember that episode. He said, "When you have children, he gets to name the baby." Uh-oh. Oh yeah. That's Who true. Who agreed to that? Yeah, Who no. agreed to that? Dan agreed to that. I never agreed to that. Well, Jimmy has uh, managed to squeeze yes. uh, a comic book hero name <laughs> into course. our choice if it's a boy, James Jordan. 
Yes. Like uh, <laughs> his buddy Hal Jordan. But uh, unfortunately for him, it's probably going to be a girl. And there is no comic book name at all in there whatsoever. Isn't James Jordan one of Hal's brothers? Yeah, yes. it's actually... So it would be, like, entirely named after a character except for the last name. <laughs> Are you yeah. kidding me? Well, no, it's it's the good brother that actually has a family. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, as long as it's the good, good brother. brother. Okay, all right. You know what? I think that's out. <laughs> <laughs> I think the name is out. See, Lauren, who looks out for you with these names? Me. Yeah. I'm the one you should trust, <laughs> yeah. not your stupid husband. You got my best interest. <laughs> no, I, you know, it's, it's, it's just got a really nice ring to it, and... I mean, like, I, I definitely wanted to name a boy after me with James, but since I'm already a junior, naming him with my middle name is completely out. You're What's a junior? A name? Yeah, I'm a junior. Can we call you Junior from now on? No, not ever. You can call me JR, but not really. Hmm. Whatever, call him Junior. James. He hates being called James. Somehow I think Jordan James sounds better than James Jordan. I hate that. Jordan James sure. sounds like he should be in a boy band. Don't name him that. Jordan James sounds like he belongs in, like, a bunch of almonds. <laughs> that made no sense. <clears throat> Jordan almonds. almonds is a lame joke. Yeah, it really, uh, really is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny, actually. I don't know if it was the last time we were recording or the time before that. <laughs> and, like, I was, like... I was so tired. I was like running ragged, and Chad's like, "Are you pregnant?" It's like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 it's, it's, I, I can't really. I, I know some people very close to me who are going through the exact same thing, waiting till the third uh, month to tell everybody, yeah. um, and they're, they're going through the exact situation. And I'm kind of seeing what's happening to them, so I kind of, I kind of figured that that's where you guys were. I was I was gonna I was wondering how you guessed three months. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah, most 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 pregnancies can go wrong within the first three months, so uh, miscarries or any kind of complications. So a lot of couples like to wait until the third month before they like to tell anybody. Explaining that to Jimmy, you know, it didn't really click in his head every week. Can we tell them? Can we tell them? Mm-hmm. Tell them? No, we can't tell them. And then Jim went on vacation and had morning sickness for a couple weeks. Oh God, that was a that was a joy going on uh, a cruise with morning sickness. That was wonderful. <laughs> oh, you had a good time. I did have a good time on vacation, but you know what? The morning sickness was killing. I lost sixteen pounds in a month just from morning sickness. <laughs> so have a baby. It's the easiest way to lose weight. Exactly. <laughs> I lost. You can't keep anything down. You throw everything up. It's great. I lost thirty pounds in a couple of months. So there's. Just drink lots of water. <laughs> Chad had a tapeworm and a virus, and he also got <laughs> pregnant. <laughs> exactly. God. Well, Lauren, so, it's okay. You're puking for two. That's okay. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. Keep the baby away from the fridge. <laughs> I know, right? I don't know how Jimmy confuses a bag of groceries with a baby, but... <laughs> oh, God, that's right. <laughs> So retarded. I'm gonna go get you were a bag like of groceries. Holding like, them in your arms like a baby, you, and then you pointed at the refrigerator. I don't know what kind of baby you're put, holding, but you're, that is one big goddamn baby. It's like I put a baby in the refrigerator. It's a it's a Ford baby. It's a refrigerator baby. Well, that's what I'm Built scared Ford of. Stuff. Have you seen? You've seen Jimmy's head. <laughs> <laughs> 
goddamn watermelon. Yeah. I'm afraid. That baby's gonna be C-sectioned for sure. It's gonna be like Stewie, only larger head. Seriously. <clears throat> oh my god. Oh, maybe you'll be born British, too. <laughs> One can hope. <laughs> oh my god. Well, congratulations. So not coming oh. on? We wanted to tell Jason. He missed all of the excitement now. Yeah. Oh well. He's lame. <laughs> Just saying. So mean. He yeah. has to feed his kids. <sighs> Whatever. Jason already had kids. He did this already. Exactly. <laughs> like, like old news. They, they're old enough to fend for themselves, aren't they? Like 16 <laughs> and 9 or something. <laughs> <laughs> 16, 9, and 2. Come on. <laughs> Learn how to use a microwave. Oh, God. Just eat Cheerios off the floor. That's what we used to do. I mean, come on. Get it together. And that explains a lot. <laughs> yes, it does. That's why I married you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, God. All right, so everybody knows. Um, nobody post on my Facebook before I announce it on my Facebook, or I will murder you. Well, this. I swear is, I will. Is this going up in like a week? So yes. You, ha- you have a week to do this. Exactly. <laughs> so my 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 doctor's appointment is on Tuesday. So I want to get the all clear from him, and then I'm going to be posting online that night that we're pregnant. So just wait for the post. Don't put anything up until you see the post, please, because I will never hear the end of it. Yeah. 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 So now you guys know a week ahead of the general populace and. Uh, you know, I tried to, I talked to James about, you know, the possibilities of getting him on, but um, at least he's going to hear it <laughs> before the general populace as well. Well, keep, 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 at least keep me updated. I know a lot of people are just like, oh my God, I'm sick of hearing about it. Please stop telling me. But yeah, keep me updated. All right. Sounds Every, good. Yeah. Oh, hey, you should name, you should, if it's a boy, you should name it James after James. Not after Jim. I will name it after Irish Jim. Right. <laughs> Jim has nothing to do with that. Uh, well, congratulations, Lauren. Thank you. And only yes. Lauren, because frankly, Jim's probably gonna still mess this up at some point. So, congratulations, Lauren. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it. It's been rough. So let's pray for smoother oh, sailing. It's been rough. Oh yeah, it's been rough. <laughs> yeah, sleeping with Jim has to be terrible. <laughs> not keeping anything down and had mood swings and have to take prenatal vitamins that make you constipated? I think not. It's been me suffering this road alone, okay? Listen, listen. Helped you out a little. Helped me out a little. (laughs) Helped me out a little. Oh, how are you feeling today, honey? Oh, you puked this morning. All right, gotta go to work. Here's, Here's some runny eggs and oatmeal. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, here's a flapjack. I swear to God. Make it last. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, Lauren, you're constipated for two now. Okay. I know, I am. Believe me, I am. Uh, I went out and I got uh, fiber gummy bears. <laughs> they say to eat one. I'm eating like 10 of them a day. <laughs> I'm ingesting like 30 grams of fiber and still suffering. She's eating them like gummy bears. <laughs> which, the, by the way, the they're delicious <laughs> like gummy bears. Why are you eating her fiber gummy bears? Because <laughs> he's cruel. 
I no, because they're, del- they're delicious. Get and I like actual gummy bears. gummy bears. Yeah, well, I don't have them, and she has gummy bears, so she should share. I put them in my car this morning. You're an adult, Jim. Go get your own goddamn gummy bears. So, you know what I have to say? And here's the final word on that. My gummy... ass hurts, all right? My ass hurts. I need those gummy bears. Gummy bears <laughs> bouncing here and there and everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. This is going to be the after the credit stuff, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I suppose we could probably uh, push it. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep this all in. It's all completely relevant. Exactly. Yeah, we're like, there's the Tony Bedard interview, everybody. Oh, and by the way, we have an announcement. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? Do you think he's going to listen to this episode? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. <laughs> no, the, well, the that, people who published the Green 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 Lantern and Philosophy book listen to this episode. That's true. That's true. So I think I, for one thing, Tony Bedard will be will be happy to be part of this joyous occasion. Until we start talking about gummy bears bouncing out of people's asses, that's when I think the cutoff. <laughs> so yeah. then again, that might make a great comic. He's, you know, he's going to be like, it's like, wow, that was a really great interview. Yeah, to listen to the episode, and it'll get past the interview and start listening to this. It's like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> You should be honored. You should be honored. Part of me thinks it would be really cool. I'm not being mean. Don't yell at Tony Bedard. My constipation and being pregnant and suffering and talking about it. Well, he better. You better just deal with it. She's yelling right at him now. God, man. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed that interview, because he'll never come back on again, thanks well, to Lauren. Wouldn't it be cool if, like, we just got blacklisted from here on out, and <laughs> nobody will talk to us? <laughs> oh, we still need Jeff Johns, come on. Oh, yeah, no, this is what's going to keep that from happening. What, what are we, like, collecting, and he's going to be the <laughs> the final chess piece? He's going to be our pride and joy. <laughs> uh, what about Tomasi? Well, we still, we still need Tomasi and Gleason. Tomasi Gleason and Johns and Alan Moore. Okay, so Lauren oh. is going to uh, go lie down again. Yeah, I'm going to go pass out. It's way past my bedtime. Night, Lauren. Night, guys. All right, congratulations. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Oh, she's sleeping for two. Yeah, so I remember um, Jamie Dunst on the forums. He... Uh, he was posting when he, you know, he had a daughter, and he was posting like these, uh, like outfits that he got for her from I don't know one of the websites online. And I always, I always thought to myself, it's like, oh man, it's like, it's like a you know boy or girl, no matter what, like they're getting they're getting like little pajamas, superhero costumes. <laughs> oh man, I'm gonna totally raise a geek. <laughs> a rebellious stage is going to turn him into like a pro athlete or something <laughs> that's good too that's good too <laughs> uh, so it's like it has you for a dad and then grows up to have like 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 friends and <laughs> a sports career and <laughs> I don't know <clears throat> That fell apart halfway through thinking about it. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it is. Um, yeah, so, Tony Bedard interview. I liked it. That was, that was, 
It was uh, it was very good. I mean, it, we were, we there was a couple mm-hmm. points where we kind mm-hmm. of went hopped from topic to topic, you know, just you know, two unrelated topics. But it uh, it was it was uh, really good, especially because he not necessarily revealed but teased and gave you know uh, ideas and and hints at upcoming storylines unprovoked. <clears throat> yeah, it's you know it's it was. It was a great interview. I mean, you know, from my perspective, I'm not going to, you know, try and uh, speak for the listeners. But, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, like, it would definitely be an interview that I would want to listen to because, like, you know, he he's so excited about the whole, you know, the whole book and what's going to happen and everything like that. And... It's it's so much fun to read and to hear him, you know, talk about it like that. It's just like it gets you even more excited about the book. And like the things that he has planned, like he has plans on, you know, explaining everything by issue twelve. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I mean you know, you you read the book for a year and like that first mystery is gonna be solved. But I mean like, you know, reading the book right now it's like that mystery is the farthest thing from my mind because the rest of the book is just so much fun. It's like Kyle Rayner and a bunch of other, you know, ragtag crazy monsters from the <laughs> other cores going up against right now a guy that hangs out in the sun and he lives in a solar system spaceship. Oh, yeah. And, and check this out because I just want to because Dan's with us and he wasn't a part of the interview, hasn't got a chance to hear it yet. But. Just yeah. to get his reaction, okay. You know that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go. You, you know that Tony Bedard is writing uh, the Blue Beetle. Yes. Okay. Issue nine of Blue Beetle. A Blue Beetle specifically will have him in New York City teaming up or going up against Kyle Rayner. Cool. And issue nine, I also believe, of New Guardians has the 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 reach who's responsible for blue beetle's costume and technology going up against the blue lantern homeworld nice so i was just wondering what you thought about that little reveal i like that i like that yeah idea. i figured you i figured you would because <laughs> yeah, like i remember like um the last time around like pre pre new 52 they had always like they alluded to there being like this like i won't say war but this like bad history between, like, at least the Green Lantern Corps and the Reach, but we never really got to see anything come of that. So, I like, remember if, hearing about that in uh, Infinite Crisis, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when, uh, that's when Jaime got, like, that's when that this Blue Beetle debuted. And, like, right. like, the Green Lanterns couldn't be around him because their rings were, like, freaking out and wanted to attack him. Yeah. <laughs> and, well, they, the, no, that's that's really cool. Like, that's I actually forgot he was writing Blue Beetle now. Like that's a cool thing. Like he's writing both books, so he can really just play with it. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. He and he he wants to you know definitely delve more into the Reach also. Which, I mean, let's see. I, I picked up. Uh, well, I definitely picked up the first issue of Blue Beetle, and I picked up another issue. I don't know if it was three or four, possibly even five. Um, that kind of alluded to that you know, issue nine crossover type thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, once that comes, you know, once that finally hits, you know, I'm definitely going to, you know, be looking at it like 
I guess, with a, an extra critical eye to see if maybe that is something that I want to start picking up from now on. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, I mean, well, I know I'm definitely going to be reading that crossover issue, at least. If, like, even, if, even, like, regardless, I would probably be reading it for the show. But, like, I mean, I, I said back when we started talking about the New 52 as it was happening, how, like, I was kind of disappointed in Blue Beetle because I felt like it was just kind of starting off at the exact same point, telling the exact same story as the last time this character had a had a number one, not just like a couple years beforehand. So kind of kind of had me down on it. And I stopped getting it, but you know, if if the writer's that excited about what he's doing with it, and you know, I'm going to be reading at least one other issue of it, you know, maybe I'll keep going with it from there. I like that character. I would like to read about that character. So maybe this is a good time for me to jump back in. Perhaps. Absolutely. And uh, what was he saying? Something about uh, we'll get some uh, a big. There's there is a crossover coming between Green Lantern books in the future. Not not real soon, but within the next couple of months, involving the Guardians wiping out the attempting to wipe out the Green Lantern Corps. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, like a, a major storyline. Yeah, what's funny is Corwin posted something about he feels that Johns is ramping up to the next big Blackest Night style epic storyline uh, in the forums right after we finished the interview with Tony. <laughs> so, so that's that's what we're gonna see is is what he's alluding to is Johns is in fact ramping up to something. So. Yeah, well, think about the fact that all of the books are going to hit milestone issue numbers at the same time now. So, like, yep. issue 12 is probably going to be, like, oversized crossover mega craziness or something. Um, yeah, like, I'll, I'll listen to this when it goes up, but, like, did, did anybody talk about the solar system ship? Did anybody oh, ask yeah. him about that and why that is that? <laughs> Well, we didn't we didn't ask him about it, but we did we did talk to him about it and said yeah, we, we thought it was it a up. cool idea. Yeah, we thought it was a cool idea. Conceptually, well, yeah, conceptually, you know, yeah, definitely. And he says, you know, it's like you know, like like Chad says, you know, with something like that, you know, the the you know the question as to, as to you know why would you do something like that, and the answer very simply is well, why wouldn't you? make a giant solar system, you know, spaceship, planet type thing. Especially given what you have, you know, in the past, you have a living planet, you have a living space city, you know, you you have so many of these these giant, enormous concepts. And if you're going to put a giant, enormous concept in any of the Green Lantern books, New Guardians is definitely the one to do it, because that's... That's what he's doing. He's using like these fantastical concepts, and it's 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 fun. So it fits. It does fit. Nah, I, I still mean, don't like it. You 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 definitely you know you you could definitely you know say the style of it is you know crummy or whatever you know. I mean we it, we all kind of agree that we love um, and I completely blanked on his name again. We love the art from Tyler Kirkham. Yes. Tyler Kirkham. Yeah. No, I just today I have not been able to remember his name at all. Um, we all love his art, so I mean, you know, if he, you know, made one design, you know, thing that we didn't really like that much, then uh, we could kind of cut him some slack. 
Which I yeah, mean, I, I don't hate it. I, I don't. I definitely don't hate it. And and not to mention, uh, this will probably go up after issue seven is out. But he did make mention that there was some explanation involving why Invictus has a solar system sized ship uh, model, whatever, uh, in issue seven. So, yeah, I had an idea about that, but yeah, whatever. Hmm. Um. Okay, so sounds like that was fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, was, definitely. Super easy to talk to. Yeah. Oh my God. Every the conversation, it, the amount of prep work that I, you know, put into this interview, like it was, it was less prep that than I usually do. Um. But I mean, like, there's there's so many like topics that I wanted to touch on that are just like you know in my head anyway because he's just currently doing the book that it's just so easy to come up with questions for him. So, Chad, yeah, Jim does prep work for episodes. Did you have any idea? <laughs> no, I had no idea. He fakes it well, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's uh it's. It was a really good, a really, really good interview, I believe. It was just uh, very easy to talk to. He, and what was funny is, is, you know, you'll hear this in the episode, but it was cool because apparently, if, if I'm not mistaken, he served as the editor of this book, Jim? The one I'm about to mention? Um, yes, yes. Okay, I believe he was editor on um, my literally my first comic ever, because I've figured this out since the last time we've gone over this particular subject. My first comic ever was issue two of the Valiant Dark Horse crossover between Magnus, the robot fighter, and Nexus. Huh. And he he served as editor of that two-part crossover. So he got you into yeah, apparently he had he had a hand in my first comic issue ever. Gotcha. You should have just taken the whole interview and like on like sharp left turn and just started asking him questions about Magnus Nexus. Mm. <laughs> well, he did make mention of Nexus and compare the mythos of Nexus to that of the Green Lantern Corps. So, well, that of especially of uh, the New Guardians, as far as you know, the humor that he mm-hmm. wanted to bring to it, things like that. Yeah, there was there was a, a I remember specifically I don't remember the character's name, but uh, Nexus uh, has this ship or something of a like a hod, hodgepodge of different alien beings, and his close confidant slash sidekick, whatever you want to call him, is this weird looking creature with a funny name, and it's just there's a lot of comedy there, offbeat comedy. So yeah, <laughs> it, I, I can definitely see it now. And that character's name was Gromyabus. <laughs> uh, uh, cool. So, yep. Thank you, Corwin, for setting that up, and uh, thank you, Tony. Um, that, that was definitely a lot of fun. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and Corwin would have been on if it wasn't for scheduling conflicts. Yeah. And me, so, my stupid job. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. You know. Gotta I do what you got to do. Yeah. 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 Okay. And speaking so, of uh, speaking what? of doing what you got to do, uh, I'm making an announcement here. <clears throat> I may or I may or may not be able to be on the uh, episodes in the near future. I've I've got a job interview set up uh, as we record this tomorrow morning at 9:30, uh, and the hours are are can go until 10 o'clock my time. 
So it, it's possible I may not be able to be on the episodes. You know, we'll work out something if I can or can't. But, you know, just, just a heads up that that's a possibility. So Okay. Just thought I'd let everybody know. Well, that's that's terrific news because I've always told Dan that I don't want to miss an episode up until the point where I have a kid. <laughs> after that... <laughs> After that, I may not be able to make every episode. So it's the Dan Kersky Show, everybody. Welcome. <laughs> well, I mean, once once Jim has a kid, especially the first uh, few months, if not a year, that he has a kid, then we'd only have to worry about two to two time uh, constraints rather than three. So <laughs> screw you, Bogleman. This is my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I've been getting some good interviews lately. Well, not the Tony Bizarre one, but hey, come yeah. on, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Give me credit. <laughs> Not Chad. <laughs> Daryl Banks. Give me credit. <laughs> you know something? Um, it, it's going to take a little while because it's in storage at the moment. Um, you know, because I'm between living spaces. But uh, let's uh, let's have a contest. Okay. What what's in storage? What okay. are you talking about? <laughs> Jacob on the forums, Jacob Bauer. Um, now this was this is actually like at least a year ago that he sent us some comics signed by Tony Bedard. Hmm. So, <laughs> what better time to finally have a contest to give those those comics away um, than right now? Um, it'll be a simple contest. Just uh, shoot us an email and. You know, I guess subject line Tony Bedard, and uh, you name know. your baby. Let the listeners name your baby, and whoever <laughs> whoever gives the best submission, that's what you name your baby, and they get the prize. Yeah, no, that's not going to happen at all. Don't um, tell Lauren. <laughs> you know, so just uh, yeah, just write you know that you want to be entered in the contest, or you know your name, or whatever doesn't really matter. Um, and, uh, yeah, we'll shoot you some comics. I don't remember. I think one of them was uh, either Action or Superboy or Adventure, something yeah. like that. I'm, I'm assuming members of the Lantern cast are excluded. Yes. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, yeah, Tony Bedard signed comics. Um, and as soon as I get the stuff out of storage, possibly sooner, we will ship those out to you. Um, when is this? What are we in? March? This is going to go up. If this is going up next week, then it'll be the, let's say, the week of March 22nd. Right. So, we'll keep this up until April... End of April. April 30th. Okay. Okay. That works. Okay. okay. Last day of April. You have until the end of April to shoot us an email uh, and win some signed comics from Tony Bedard. And it's Jacob. And it's just like pick an entry out of a hat, that person gets them all kind of thing? Yes. Okay. Yes. That's that's definitely oh. the way that we're going to do this. Well, come on then. It's not biased if you're pulling out a hat. We can still enter. You're out, Chad. <laughs> you're out. <laughs> You get nothing! 
I'm Chad. I want a job and sign comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, now you see, if you got the job and you quit the cast, then you still wouldn't be able to enter the contest. God. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, shoot those emails to lanterncast at gmail.com. Speaking of uh, an email, we all have our own emails. Uh, Jim, Jason, Chad, James, and Dan. That was really Atlanta. hard for you. <laughs> no, I was saying it deliberately slow. Sure. Uh, our website is lanterncast.com. Uh, you can go there and links to our forum, Facebook page, Twitter. Are we using our Twitter anymore? Yes, that... I'm typing it right now. I'm typing a post <laughs> right now. Oh, wow. That's... Don't oh. announce their child's birth. Oh, I won't. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely don't do that. Not for a week. Um, yeah, okay. And um, we're also on iTunes. You can uh, subscribe to us there. Leave us a review. We should probably check on those reviews. And yeah. we, we, we ask for reviews, like, every single week, and I haven't actually checked them in, like, a year. I, I checked them a few months ago. Yeah? Yeah. Good. There were some there. Okay. They didn't evaporate? No. No, they're still good. <laughs> okay. They haven't reached their expiration date? No, I didn't smell anything. Okay. <laughs> didn't taste sour. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, um... Yeah, I think that's about it. Oh, yeah, and if you want to leave us a voicemail, uh, 708-LANTERN. Mm-hmm. Let us know what you thought of uh, the Tony Bedard interview. Sure. Uh, and we did get a lot of uh, feedback, just throwing it out there, on the uh, Green Lantern and Philosophy uh, episode on Twitter. Uh, even the, the, I think it was the writer or publisher, or someone involved with the actual company who published the book actually retweeted the uh, interview and everything. So, And through that, we got a few more listeners and everything, so... Uh, thanks to them, and thanks uh, to, you know, hey to all the new listeners. So Cool. Very cool. And, uh, yeah, if you guys want to, if you've read the book or have written the book, if you want to leave us some comments <laughs> about the book, uh, any of the chapters that you read or wrote, then uh, yes. by all means, shoot us a voicemail for that, too. Yes, we only take feedback from authors now. So <laughs> if you're a listener and you want to contact us, Get published. <laughs> yes. Yes. God. All right. uh, good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. <laughs>